Hello and welcome to Middle Church Online. I am Natalie. I'm the digital minister here at Middle. Thank you so much for choosing to worship with us. Um, we're going to get right into worship, so let's get into our opening hymn. But first, let us take a deep centering breath. And let us worship God together.
Hello, young and young at heart. My name is Elise, and this is the message for all ages. It's July in Middle Church. Do you know what that means? I heard that. Yes, of course, school is over. Congratulations. But at Middle, our team starts a whole new year, and we plan new and fun activities to come together virtually, and we think together about new ways to love and care for one another and for the world. And that includes you. And so when we think about the ways in which we care and love other people, I want us to imagine that we are one piece of a larger puzzle. Now, we all have a role to play in making the world a kinder and a more loving place, just like every single piece of a puzzle is needed to make a beautiful picture. And so I wonder if we can think together about ways we can show love. So I have some examples. Maybe it's by hugging somebody who really needs one. Or maybe it's sharing a bedtime story with your younger sibling. Maybe it's giving a grown up a goodnight kiss. For me, it looks like protesting until our city and our country and our world is safe for everyone, especially our black and our LGBTQ neighbors and siblings. And so I want you to ask a grown up for help now and type in the chat below, how do you love? Because there's really no wrong way to do it. And while you're typing that young people, I want you to listen up because you are a valuable part of this love puzzle that Middle Church is trying to build together this year. So after worship is over, I want you to go out of your way and be a little kinder to somebody you love. Be a little more loving, okay? Okay, so why don't we pray together? Dear God, thank you for showing us new ways to love every day. And thank you for loving us just as we are as we walk through the door. Amen? Amen. Okay, friends, let's go sing Sia Humba together. Jackie Lewis here. Welcome to Worship at Middle Church. No matter who you are, no matter how you look, no matter how you make a living, I hope that you feel clear that God loves you exactly as you are. Thank you for coming today. You're in for a treat. Our elder Ivan Anderson not only did some music for us, but he's offering a worshipful, beautiful sermon today. Um, something stinks and uh, you are going to love this word. I hope that you will um, Look at the sliders that are running for worship and imagine all the ways that you can plug into life at Middle Church at this time. We're trying to keep it flowing. The doors of the church are closed, but the church is open for business and it's open for you. If you have a prayer concern or if you need to talk to a pastor, would you please go to the website and put at the prayer portal what your needs are and we'll be so happy to connect with you. Also, every Monday morning you can call and get a prayer on our prayer line. Once again, welcome to Middle Church. Thank you for coming. It's a beautiful day because you're here. 
and we hope to stay connected to you. Thanks again. Hey everybody, Jackie here with two quick updates and announcements for you. First of all, our second anti-racism class, Answering the Call, is going to be offered on July 22nd and 23rd, that's a Wednesday and Thursday evening from 7 to 8.30 p.m. And information on how to register is on our website. If you didn't take class number one, you can also find out about that. And secondly, and this is a message for all of you who are part of our middle membership, we are having a congregational meeting on Sunday, July 26th. And we're going to talk about all things, how to be a ministry in these days of COVID. We're going to talk about vision and budget and all the ways you can plug in. Again, go to the website to find out about the Anti-Racism Lab and please register for Chat and Chew so that you can come to our congregational meeting on July 26th. Thank you so much. Have a beautiful day. Bye. This song goes out to everyone who is sick and tired of being sick and tired. Tired of the injustice, tired of the suffering, tired of the dead black bodies in the streets, tired of a system that still sees us as three-fifths of a human being, or less. Sick, 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 no woman, no cry.
that we as a people will get to the promised land. Lord have mercy. Still dealing with police brutality. Hey, but no woman, no cry. See, I believe that your weeping may endure for a night. But joy is coming in the morning light. Yes, it is. So hold on. is Marlene Fox and I am the new executive minister working closely with the staff Jackie and Amanda to make Middle Church happen. President John F. Kennedy once said peace is a daily, a weekly, a monthly process gradually changing opinions, slowly eroding old barriers, quietly building new structures. In these days, I wish you this peace, a peace in which we as a community live our lives this way, as we build a new world from my heart to yours. Peace be with you. Tell your sister. 
after having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now trying to stone you, and are you going there again? Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go, that we may die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So he took away the stone. And Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here so that they may believe you sent me. When he had said this, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what he had done. So the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the council and said, what are we to do? This man is performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And the Romans will come and destroy both our holy place and our nation. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said to them, you know nothing at all. You do not understand that it is better for you to have one man die for the people than to have the whole nation destroyed. He did not say this on his own, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus was about to die for the nation and not for the nation only, but to gather into one the dispersed children of God. So from that day on, they planned to put Jesus to death. Something stinks. As you heard earlier in worship, I recently recorded a cover of Bob Marley's No Woman, No Cry, accompanied by a photo and video montage honoring the many black lives who have been lost in the struggle against white supremacy, as well as those who have fought and continue to fight. It was an urgent and necessary thing for me to do as I confronted my own pain and anguish and sadness and frustration and anger, frankly, over the killings of Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, Tony McDade, and George Floyd. And as I reflected on the words of the song, I began to think about the themes that Prophet Bob Marley was underscoring. Giving comfort to and centering a woman in the narrative when he says, no woman, no cry. Dear little darling, don't shed no tear. Honoring the memories of his people. I remember when we used to sit in a government yard in Trenchtown. And linking past, present, and future. In this great future, you can't forget your past. My feet is my only carriage, so I've got to push on through. And by what could only be spirit, as I reflected on these words, I began to see parallels in another familiar song, which is our anthem today, Mary, Don't You Weep. This song references the story of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus from John 11, which was our scripture reading from today. 
and has strikingly similar thematic elements to No Woman No Cry. Again, giving comfort to and centering women in the narrative. Oh Mary, don't you weep. Tell Martha not to moan. Honoring the memories of the people. Don't you know Pharaoh's army got drowned in the Red Sea? Reminding us of the link between past, present, and future. If I could, I surely would stand on the rock to receive power like Moses stood. In the moments before Jesus is to perform this great miracle in this song, the songwriter wants us to know these things. Take comfort. Remember God has done it before. Know that God will do it again. And I have to say, middle family, that when I had previously read or heard the story of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, I was so caught up in the miracle that I missed the message. And so today I hope to share the message that I believe is for such a time as this that I draw from this text. Something stinks. Our text from John 11 is so rich in nuance that I can't do it justice in just one sermon. But here are the points that I want to focus on today. The writer begins by telling us that Lazarus, the brother of Mary and Martha, all of whom are beloved by Jesus, gets sick and dies. Jesus encourages his disciples to go with him to Judea, where Lazarus has been laid to rest, so he can resurrect Lazarus. His disciples remind him that the last time they were in Judea, the people tried to stone him, but Jesus is resolute in the decision. After hearing his resolution, Thomas, one of his disciples, encourages the remaining disciples to accompany Jesus on this trip, even if it means to their death. Somebody would say Thomas is a ride or die kind of a guy in present day terms, but you know, it's a story for another day. <laughs> At any rate, this coalition of fringe folks with their Afro-Semitic leader, this posse, this crew, makes their way to the tomb of Lazarus and they get there four days after the body has been dead. Mary, Martha, and a host of other mourners are there at the tomb. Jesus is deeply moved by their grief, so much so that he gives them comfort and he too weeps. He then asks that the stone in front of the tomb be removed. Martha insists that the stench of the body is too strong, but Jesus insists so that the glory of God may be revealed. He calls Lazarus forth and tells the people to unbind him and let him go. But the story doesn't end with the miracle, for this miracle sets into motion a series of events that will lead to the assassination of Jesus. Indeed, not long after this story in the Bible, Jesus, this proclaimer of the good news of God's love, would make his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, be crucified, die, and rise again for the children of God. So that's the summary of this story, this very complex story. But now a question. What if America is Lazarus? What if America is Lazarus? What if America has gotten sick with racism and has died? What if the self-evident truth that all men are created equal, didn't say women, and endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, among which are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, what if that truth was a stillborn truth, delivered dead on arrival in a nation that slaughtered First Nation peoples, enslaved Africans, and did not give women their due? What if America is Lazarus? What if, as Lazarus lay dead in the tomb for four days, America has been dead in her tomb of racism for 400 years? But what if this is the moment of revival? What if this is the moment of resurrection? What if brown bodies like Jesus' and those of his disciples, his friends, his system disruptors, his movement allies, are sent to save America, to call America out of her grave, to loose her from her grave clothes, to unbind her and let her go? What if we, who dearly love America and are grieved by her death, are uniquely called and positioned in this moment 
to stand and speak directly into the darkness. America, come forth. What if we are the ones who are called to do this revival work, this resurrection work? And make no mistake, this resurrection work is conflict work. Jesus and his disciples were not welcome in Judea when they went back for Lazarus' resurrection. So too it is for us. Doing this work will put us out of favor and in harm's way. There will be some places where we won't be welcome and some people into whose company we will not be invited. We will be unpopular at some dinner tables and at odds with some family members. But that's okay because as for me and my house, we will do the work anyway. This resurrection work is comforting work. We are called to call out into the darkness of the tomb or the darkness of the womb as it may be, as activist Valerie Cower says. But as we call out, we must remember to comfort those grieving with us and call out to them to make sure they are okay and that we're all okay together. Call out to those impacted the most by the consequences of America's deadly racism, those on the margins. As Jesus comforted those at the tomb, so too must we comfort each other. In this time middle, it's okay for us to be angry. It's okay to grieve. It's okay to not be okay. Jesus, even though he knew Lazarus would rise again, wept with Mary and Martha. And so too we, who believe in freedom, who dare to dream dreams of a better day, who know that day is coming, we can still be righteously outraged and saddened by the humanitarian crisis that is racism. And we can groan with creation, as Paul says in Romans 8.22, for the manifestation of the miracle of justice. Finally, this resurrection work is courageous work. In our story, Martha doesn't want Jesus to roll away the stone because she does not want to smell the decaying body of her brother. Isn't that something? Lord, I believe you can raise my brother from the dead, but I don't want to smell the smell, so maybe don't do it. Lord, you can do miraculous things, but uh, I don't want to be made uncomfortable in the process. And before we judge Martha too harshly, we must admit that we know some Marthas, and maybe we too have been a Martha at one point or another. Lord, I want to pray more, but I don't like waking up early. That's my Martha moment. Or, I believe in affordable housing, just not in my neighborhood. Or, Lord, I believe in racial justice, but please don't offend my white fragility in the process. Not everything that is faced can be changed, Brother James Baldwin reminds us. But nothing can be changed until it is faced. And so we have to face the stench because resurrection is stinky business. It isn't the pristine perfume story we have been led to believe that it is. It is messy. It is gory. It is smelly. But the stench is necessary so, as Jesus said, we may see the glory of God. Jackie has preached about glory, the Hebrew feminine Shekinah, the neighborly glory of God we find in the Old Testament. But the word glory here is the Greek word that is doksha or dokshan, which is also feminine, which means the inherent intrinsic worth, according to Joseph Thayer. And so if we want to see this inherent intrinsic worth, this glory of God, then one day when that glory comes, that inherent intrinsic worth will apply as much to black, brown, women, gender nonconforming, and LGBT bodies as much as it does cisgender white males. One day when that glory comes, it will apply as much to the poor as it does to the rich and middle class. It will apply to the neurodiverse and differently able as much as it does to those who are normal, whatever that means. The Apostle Paul says in Romans 8.18, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time can't be compared to the glory which shall be revealed. In other words, 
the glory is greater than the gory. Where we are going in this struggle is greater than the struggle we are in to get to that place. The resurrection of America is going to be greater than the stench of America's corpse. Middle Church, I encourage us to take comfort. Remember God has done it before. Know that God will do it again. I encourage us to make our lives resound with revival music. As with No Woman No Cry and Mary Don't You Weep, center the feminine, the doksha, the doksha, the, the glory of God, the inherent intrinsic worth in each one of us. Give comfort, take comfort. Honor the memories of the people. Say their names. George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, Tony McDade, Rayshard Brooks. Those are just some of the names and we're only halfway through the year. Do not forget to link past, present, and future. Use the past to give us strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow, as the hymn says. Every struggle for equality and humanity has been hard, but those struggles were successful because those who were in the struggle were willing to ensure that the present suffering of the stench of death could not be compared to the glory of what was to come. And indeed today, something stinks. It is the stench of buildings burning in Minneapolis, Atlanta, and all over these United States. It is the stench of the pavement that filled George Floyd's lungs as he uttered his dying words, I can't breathe. It is the putrid smell of gunpowder and exhaust fumes filling the air that Ahmaud Arbery inhaled when he was hunted and gunned down by white supremacists. It is the smell of fried fast food in Atlanta in the air that Rashard Brooks inhaled before he was shot to death by a police officer. It is the rotting smell of the Skittles in Trayvon Martin's pocket, who by the way would have just been 25 years old this year. It is the stench of blood pouring out of Philando Castile's chest after he followed all the rules during his traffic stop and was still shot to death by police. It is the leathery smell of a Bible being held upside down in the hot, hateful hands of a bigoted tyrant. And you know who I'm talking about. It is the stench of tear gas filling the nostrils of peaceful protesters. But it is also the smell of sticky ink on letters to elected officials demanding justice. It is the smell of markers meeting thick poster boards to make signs that read Black Lives Matter. I can't breathe. We are done dying. It is the salty smell of hot feet, weary from a day of marching in cities and towns across this land, voicing our indignation at this moment, at every moment of brutality against black bodies in this country. It is the stench of revival. Hi everybody, I'm Amanda. I'm one of the ministers here at Middle Church and I have been worshiping with you this morning. What a wonderful worship so far, yes? I've had the honor of being a pastor at Middle Church for just under two years, and I've been worshiping at Middle for right around three. That was an intentional decision that my family and I made because we knew that we wanted to be at a place like Middle who proclaims revolutionary, inclusive, anti-racist love into a world every day. And now I'm inviting you to ask the question, have I officially joined this movement of love and justice? And if not, why not? I have been particularly, particularly inspired by Middle Church in the way that we have moved together to continue to being a prophetic, uh, necessary movement, even in the time of COVID-19. Our 
musicians have learned how to work with the choir in a virtual space, make Dropbox folders and Google folders, and teach people how to record from a home studio. Our technology team has figured out how to produce and put together wonderful worship experiences every Sunday. And you all have not given up on us. You've continually shown up, called in Zoom call after Zoom call. Sometimes we've been hacked. Sometimes we haven't forgotten. We've forgotten a password. Sometimes we just can't remember where the link is. And yet you haven't given up. And we haven't given up because this is what it means to be church during the time of COVID-19. And I can think of no other place that I would love to spend my time and I would love to worship with my family than Middle Collegiate Church. Now, of course, with every good thing, there's a cost involved. And so I ask you, one, if you have not yet joined this movement, what are you waiting for? If you'd like to talk to one of us on staff or to a deacon or an usher, we're here for you. And we'd love to talk to you about what it means to be a, a, a member of this movement. Our digital ushers right now are plopping into the chat how you can join. And then you'll be emailed with next steps about coming to a new member gathering and beginning your small group life with us. If you'd like to give, know that your gifts fuel this movement. No matter what it is financially that you have to give right now, and today it might be nothing, and tomorrow it might be something. And that's the beauty of community. So don't feel bad when you can't give, but give joyfully when you can, no matter what it is. And if it's not money that you can give, let us know how you'd like to give your time. Let us know how you'd like to participate in worship or lead a small group. We have so many things that are waiting for you. Middle Church puts life-saving theology and life-saving care and advocacy into the world every day. With over 3,000 people attending anti-racism workshops, we know that the work of dismantling white supremacy is God's work and that it takes every single one of us. And we are calling and asking if you will join us in that work. We will be better because of your joining with us and moving together. So join us now and give what you can to continue putting revolutionary love into a world that so desperately needs it. Let's continue now and worship God. When the glory comes, it will be us. It will be us one day. When the war is won, we will be sure. We will be sure.
glory comes, it will be ours, it will be ours, oh, one day, when the war is won, we will be sure, we will be sure, oh, glory, somebody say glory. Let me hear you say glory, glory, oh, glory. glory. 
everybody for coming to worship today. I'm reminded of Ivan's questions. What if America is 
in a tomb and being called out. Revival, resurrection, reframing our nation. That's a stinky business. But you and I, we are the ones we've been waiting for to do this work. So we give God thanks today for all of the offerings that we've made. Offerings of our time, of our talent, and of our treasure. We give God thanks today for the word we've heard preached so beautifully and for the call on our lives to participate with the holy in the healing of the world. And I give you this blessing. Go and know you are alive and breathing to be of service to the building of God's kingdom on earth. I look so forward to doing this work with you. Amen.